It's ad break time. The Beyond Solitaire podcast is proudly sponsored by Central Michigan University's Center for Learning Through Games and Simulations, and they have some great stuff coming up. Fans of Thousand-Year-Old Vampire will be delighted to know that their next Kickstarter project is Jason Cox's 500-Year-Old Vampire, a new project designed to be a cooperative writing experience that you can try with your friends at home, but that is also written to meet national classroom standards. Jason was my guest for episode 102, so you can listen to that interview and learn more directly from him. Also, I'll be teaching a class for CMU's Certificate in Applied Game Design, so if you ever wanted to take a class with me, here's your chance. The course is called Using Games to Teach What You Can Convey Through Play. It starts March 6th, and registration is open right now. Lastly, I'm going to throw in an ad for myself. If you want to show some love for my show and for my upcoming public scholarship projects, I would be deeply grateful for your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash beyondsolitaire. My goal is to get to a point where I can spend my summers doing board game work instead of summer school, and you'd be helping me make that happen. For now, though, let's get on with the show. Hey, gamers, this is Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire. This week on the pod, I have a very special guest. This is Gary Mangle. He is from Wolf's Lair on YouTube. How are you doing, Gary? I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's great to it's great to see you. And I actually had you on, I mean, just to chat, but for a specific reason, which is that you are now the director of a Schmancy Award. So uh, could you maybe tell us a bit about that? Uh, as of October 2022, I've accepted the position of director of the Charles S. Roberts Awards for Excellence in Conflict Simulation Games. Charles S. Roberts Awards have been given out annually since about 1974. Um, and are named after with a with a seven or eight year hiatus in there, uh, and are named after Charles S. Roberts, the founder of Avalon Hill, and in some meaningful sense, the founder of the entire tabletop uh, wargaming hobby. Oh, that's really interesting. I I know that the the Charlies have a long history. Um, so, what has brought about your entry into that history? Um, how did you get uh, chosen to be director, and what made you sacrifice yourself in this way? Uh, so okay. as far as what decision process led to me being offered the position, uh, that's a great question. I have no idea what the answer would be. Um, <laughs> I am not sure what the knowledgeable persons in charge were thinking, um, except that, you know, a, a, a number of, let's call them constructively intended criticisms, were made over the last few years since the Charles S. Roberts Awards have come back from their hiatus. And one of the noisier people in that room was me, right? And and so somebody, I can imagine that, uh, the completely fantastical idea that somewhere there was a meeting that said, oh, yeah, well, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. Let's put him in charge. He knows everything. <laughs> and then I'm like left holding the bag. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there had been some 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 issues that had been identified with previous uh awards years none of which were like uh aimed at any individual but but that the you know complaints that the process was not transparent which wasn't um that it was seemingly random in some cases um and that there was an insufficient degree of governance over the execution of the awards um and you know we had kind of made it an annual joke actually about how the, the awards were going to get announced and and then the the gary and these other guys were going to spend two hours complaining about them um and you know so it's it's a bit of karmic payback i suppose um but 
at the same time, uh, you know, there was an opportunity to uh, to to step in and, and kind of stabilize things. And the awards were for awards year 2021 were, let's say, running late. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some some issues that had that looked like they might result in the awards not happening at all. Um, right. So. uh I, I I'm kind of reluctant to put it this way, but I was also sort of you know like the CSR EMT you know that rushed in at the last minute to save the patient, right? Um, but uh, and again, that's not you know there, I I actually don't have any real visibility on what led to that situation, uh, so I'm not going to speculate about it. But you know the situation was what it was, and I was asked to step in by really the only person who was I think endowed with the authority to issue that invitation that's roger mcgowan um and and when roger asked i said yes so and and i immediately said boy this might be dumb not this i'm i'm (laughs) i'm side of myself up for a whopper here yes and it has and it has been yes and 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 as we'll get to later in the episode you signed several of us up for it too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is true. Yes. Share the love. I'm Indeed. all about sharing the love. But um, so before this upcoming awards here, uh, the Charlie's was basically an attempt to be a totally publicly nominated and voted award. Is that correct? So people in the in the community would send in their nominations, vote. And, you know, there was no specific nominating committee. There's no board handling, you know, who goes up on the ballot is very kind of crowd run. Is that about right? So for the last couple of years since the Charles S. Roberts Awards came back in 2019, this has indeed been the case. But prior to the hiatus, this was not I I don't believe this was how it was done. We don't have a Mm -hmm. perfect. I don't have anyway perfect visibility as to the way that Charles S. Roberts awards were administered back in the seventies and eighties. But originally, it was just like an entirely thing that was happening within Origins. It was like the beginning of Origins. Some people got together and put a ballot together, and then photocopied it and passed the ballot, or probably mimeographed at that point um, with you know the purple ink and everything. Right, passed it around, collected the ballots. Uh, and then announced the winner by the end of Origins, right? So uh, the public participation has always been a factor, but the exact mechanism by which that occurred um, has changed over the years. And we found that the existing uh, three-year-old public nomination process, which essentially was a Google form, which had three open text fields for each category and people could put in whatever they wanted. And, right. and, and that was a, you know, a very wild west type of situation and produced a, a large variety of random results that required many dozens of man hours of combing and vetting at the end of that to figure out, you know, even just what games were actually released in this, in this qualifying year, right? Um, a, a lot of legwork had to go into that. And, you know, I'm reasonably into what where the hobby's at. So I could I, I knew some of that information, but some of these right. things I had no ideas. Like, I've never heard of this product. Um, <laughs> people people submitted games that we couldn't identify. Or I don't, maybe they weren't games. I don't know. Maybe that's where we went wrong. Uh, just like random text in a field that we could not identify. We we did our best to determine what they were talking about, but we did not succeed. 
people submitted games in the wrong categories, which led to some struggles and, and um, people uh, submitted games for the 2021 Charles S. Roberts Awards that were released in 1981 instead. Um, a well-known game designer had his entire very loyal group submit his 2006 game for best best winner in every single category. Oh. Um, and so all this had to be, you know, governed and gone through and, and vetted. And, and that took a lot of effort by myself and several other people. Right. Um, and then to do the additional legwork of, hey, when did this thing come out? Right. In some cases, we were able to reach out to the designer. I'm looking at you, Thin Red Line Games, that releases each and every product in the window between December 20th and January 10th. Thank oh, you no. very much, Fabrizio. Um, so I, I, I laugh because, but, but I was able to, you know, ask Fabrizio that question because yeah. that came up this year, right? Because they had two games that were in contention. So, uh, you know, just determining dates of release and, and remember all, we're still dealing with logistics issues at this point, but remember all the logistics issues that resulted in st things like Pacific War, which received a, a number of nominating votes, not a huge number, because most people realized it actually didn't ship till February 2022, right. uh, but it was supposed to ship in 2021. BGG calls it a 2021 release. And another thing that we found out is that we cannot rely, especially in recent years, on BGG's dates of release, right? They, right. they list games that were you know, released in 2020 that still aren't out, for example. So yeah. you know, those, all that information had to be independently verified via some mechanism. And the best mechanism was so-and-so on the board ordered it, so they know when it <laughs> arrived. Um, and I was able to use that myself in a number of instances, right? Uh, so we could verify it that way. In other examples, we had to reach out to publishers. Um, we had to reach out to others outside the, the immediate circle. So, so the previous nomination process was really just not viable. And if, right. as we tell ourselves, our goal is better engagement with the community that means more ballots and we found that the the number of ballots we got was on the precipice of we cannot handle this so um the that is simply that that op completely open and unstructured public nomination process is simply not viable Several alternatives were suggested, including like a like a big list, like the Charles S. Roberts Awards puts together this huge list of 75 games in every category that released that year, and then yeah. the public votes on that. But what if we miss one, right? At the, the reasonable objection was raised of what if we miss one? Are we then like de-endorsing that particular title? Are we showing favoritism? So so that was a consideration. Right. Um, and then who's going to put that list together? That's That's just as bad. The other suggestion was, well, contact all the publishers and ask them to submit their games for nomination. And, and that sounds great, but I know from personal experience that many of those publishers will simply not respond. Um, and if we do that, we have to find every single publisher right. on the planet. And, you know, I'm a, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of where the wargaming space is at from a publication standpoint here in the U S in Spain, no idea. Um, yeah. So I know Draco ideas in Spain. That's it. Right. Well, there's like <laughs> th three or four publishers in Spain and there's yeah. three or four publishers in Italy and there's a couple in Germany now and there's a couple, one, in, one or two in Poland. And and I'm aware that they exist, but I, I mean, there was a, some nominees that I'm like, oh, I had no idea this came out. That looks cool. Yeah. Um, so 
you know, and we're fortunate and, and purposefully uh, the board, and, and this is actually in the charter now, is that the board makes an attempt to include global representation so that we can capture these thriving wargaming scenes in places like Spain and Hong Kong and, and other places like that, that I, we just, I, no individual sitting in a base, literally in a basement in Ohio right now is going to have visibility <laughs> on what is going on in the cutting edge of wargaming design in, uh, in Italy, right? So right. We, we, we need folks to help us out with that stuff. Um, and they were also helpful with the, the, the vetting of the nomination uh, uh, nominations for 2021 as well. Oh, that's awesome. So that leads us to where we are now, which is that there is a nominating committee and I am one of the people on it. I don't know who else is on it except for Fred Serval because we talked about it and made a mutual agreement to do it. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, this this will all have been announced by the time this, this podcast episode Indeed airs. Indeed it will. Because we're being transparent here. Um, but what thoughts went into the selection of this board and like, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, oh, like, what do we, I don't want this to be interpreted. You know, I missed this game as a, a non-endorsement or, you know, I want to make sure this is a fair system. So what are you hoping is going to come out of having a nominating committee and like, what kind of thoughts went into choosing, um, the people who are on it? So the idea is to provide better governance for um, the nominating process. And, and what I mean by that is, is simply that there is a mechanism by which those determine, determinations will be made rather than one person tearing their hair out over a, you know, 150,000 cell CSV file that contains the the ballot data and and then you know feeling i i can't even execute this right <laughs> um so there'll be an actual process by which those decisions can get made right is is this a 2021 release well we'll check with the publisher and if the publisher gets back to us and says yes it's a 2022 release great if not the nominating committee will make that decision um is this really a war game and, and another thing that we of course you know had is a question that we had to answer is to what extent is the Charles S. Roberts Awards responsible for solving the age-old question of what is a war game and what isn't? And it was very swiftly agreed that the Charles S. Roberts Awards assume no responsibility whatsoever <laughs> for the what? resolution of this decades-old problem. This is beyond our purview and we are not going to answer it and we can't. But for an individual game that may or may not get nominated, we do have to make that decision. And the nominating committee will be in place to make that decision. And, you know, a nomination will be proposed to add something to the nominating ballot. We will talk about it. People can object. People can respond to the objection. At the end of that day, we will vote to put it on the nominating ballot or not. Um, also, category specific category eligibility is a problem. We had issues with specific category definitions excluding or including inappropriate games in the past and in 2021. Right. Um, now we have a mechanism by which we can say, no, this is a Napoleonic game rather than a late gunpowder game, for example. So right. um, an, another kind of priority though, the, the it is not written in the charter exactly the mechanism or, you know, uh, point of view of which the, the the nominating committee will be assembled, the charter says that the director will assemble a nominating committee each year. And it's a rolling thing, right? So you're not assuming you're, you're not, you're not on the hook for the next 10 years, Liz. 
Um, it's it's a year by year thing, and you know maybe we'll have you back and maybe not. But my idea, right. um, as far as you know, who and it wasn't just me, right? We got input from other people in in kind of figuring out what the complexion of the nominating committee should look like, and then using that to inform who we actually invited. And we have had a couple of de- declines as well, by the way. Um, and what we wanted to make sure we had was that there was a, a, a diverse variety of viewpoints on that committee. So we didn't just have all the crusty old dudes playing La Bataille on the, you know, even though a bunch of them are the director's buddies, none of them got nominations, uh, got invited to the nominating committee, not because they're bad guys, but because they're, you know, they have this, they are not necessarily linked into what is happening more broadly with the hobby, right? And mm-hmm. with the community. And everybody that we have invited is somebody that has connections to like the the current events in the hobby. It's necessary for somebody doing this to have that broader uh, perspective, right? Um, right. And, and we also wanted to have voices uh, that were connected to old stuff old school hexacounter games and to you know new newer less traditional war games all right the, the the kinds of games where we get arguments about whether they're war games or not so uh we've got and and you know some a, a lot of po- folks got invited because they were people i knew or that somebody else knew um but that's just that just made the introduction easier right um you'll notice that uh, there's a decent number of uh, folks that we'll call content creators uh but that's intentional too not because we wanted to include content creators specifically because those are generally the folks at least the ones we invited are folks who know what's going on in the in the space and the community so we we needed informed people who would be um opinionated and uh, and up to speed on what has come out in the last year and uh, giving us a, a good variety of different uh, different perspectives uh, so that we can get a good spread on the nominating ballot, uh, which is, you know, what the nominating committee is in charge of assembling, uh, so that we could give a, a, a good variety of different games uh, in each category uh, and, and then produce the best uh, representations of excellence and conflict simulations that we can uh, for the public to vote on in the public ballot. Right. So you made a really interesting comment uh, as you're describing some of the people on the nomcom. Um, uh, you mentioned that a lot of people that were invited are content creators. I don't like the term content creator, but we all know what I mean. So let's, we'll just use it. It is what it is. Uh, but um, <laughs> so I guess I am open are... to suggestions as to different terminology. But I, I like media, but that's me. That's because my parents are media. But um, what I'm actually curious about is two things. One, um, the categories have changed for this upcoming year for um, the for the Charlies. And two things that have been removed were, I think, podcast and like war game analysis. Um, there were like basically some media awards that were axed. So what was some of the reasoning behind that? Uh, and then I'd like to eventually tie it into a conversation about the conflict of interest section that's in the new charter. So one of the things after the the struggles and and challenges and criticisms over the last several years, it was felt to be necessary to do is to is to get our process right, right? Get the core mission of recognizing excellence in conflict simulation games correct. 
Um, and that takes a much higher priority than having 25 categories. Okay. So, so we, uh, we really did re even though the, the category list is not that different than it used to be. Um, we really did take a ground up approach uh, to it. Now, you know, a lot of the period categories for things like ancients and Napoleonics and things like that, these are traditional categories for the Charles S. Roberts Awards. Uh, I really wanted to A, honor the tradition and B, allow us to recognize excellence in games that frankly are going to get buried if we have a war game of the year and that's it, which is going to be won by a World War II game virtually every year. So <laughs> it allows us to recognize a lot of excellent things in uh, in other uh, periods. Um, and, and I felt that that was really valuable. Uh, but at the same time, we, we really needed, again, to focus on getting the core mission of the Charles S. Roberts Awards right. And then we can take a second look at maybe re-adding some of the more modern categories. Now, the both of the, the sort of media categories for best analysis or article or whatever it was, um, and best uh, website, or I, I guess I'll call it best website, um, both of these were, were, we felt, pretty badly structured categories. So on the one hand, um, you have competing in the same category, websites, blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels, online, you know, quote unquote magazines and a variety of other formats. And these are largely apples and oranges type of comparisons. They're, they're, they're serving different parts of the wargaming market. They're, they're different disciplines. Um, and so, and yet, um, everybody that gets a nomination is a YouTube channel. Um, and I'm, I don't know why that is, but, but it, it seemed clear that there was a, an issue with the, the structure of that category. Um, so it was at least for 2022, and we are not pretending that these are the categories for the remainder of eternity. Um, but uh, these are the categories for 2022, and this announcement has been made, and you can go look at those. Um, so we dropped that category again in the in the in the uh, more because we really want to get the core mission right, get the process down and ensure that everything is working correctly. And then we can think about adding additional new categories. Um, the best article or historical analysis uh, category suffered from much the same thing in one. You know, you have a here's a YouTube video by a guy that threw the game in the garbage. And here is an article in a de Department of Defense wargaming journal written by a, you know, full bird colonel. These are apples and oranges type of comparisons. We, we really cannot, you know, be, be, be comparing Colonel, what's his name, to the dude who wrote a post on Board Game Geek. Um, so that was another category that we felt like we really needed to reimagine to get it right if and when we bring it back. There were a variety of awards for different presentational elements in a war game. Best, best, best map graphics, um, best box art, best rules, best everything in the game that's not the box, the rules of the map. Um, and that's like, man, that's four categories. This is adding a lot of overhead. Um, and we decided we were going to fold all of that into one Redmond A. Simonson Memorial Award for Best Presentation, um, which includes all of those elements, as well as other things that weren't being picked up um, in, in those considerations. So I'm, I'm very happy with 
with that change as well. Uh, we did add a couple of period categories. We added a medieval category based on feedback that we had gotten about, hey, there's enough games coming out in this space, we can recognize it. And I hope that they are right. Um, and we added a hypothetical category because every game that is nominated in the modern category was in fact a hypothetical game. Um, mm -hmm. And there is more than enough traffic in the hypothetical category to, to, to give us enough quality games to, nom to, to create nominees for hypothetical. A modern, I'm less convinced about, right? But if it's, if it's really a hypothetical category, we should be calling it a hypothetical category. And if it's really a modern category, we should be calling it a modern category. Right. And it's always been my opinion, and I have gotten massive blowback on this, that hypothetical games are their own subcategory. I would rather consider all hypothetical games, whether they are hypothetical ancient Rome or hypothetical war in Iran, to uh, as part of the same category of hypotheticals, rather than trying to lump them into their respective historical categories when they appeal to different segments of the hobby, right? Because there are people like myself that aren't necessarily very interested in hypothetical subjects. Ooh, I feel like this could be an entirely different podcast, but we won't, oh, totally but we won't go there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, this actually, this makes a lot of sense. And I also kind of wanted to tie this into a, into a discussion about conflict of interest, because actually one of the things I asked you when you asked me if I wanted to be on the nominating committee, I didn't know that the categories had changed was, well, what about the content creator type awards? Like, does that mean I can never get one? Does it mean that I would recuse myself if I were ever nominated for one? Like, what is that? And like, perhaps that's presumptuous, but let's be real. My podcast is the best. Come on. But <laughs> I voted for it. So yes, I, I agree. You, you didn't win, but sorry. <laughs> it's not my fault. I absolve myself of all responsibility. But now that you're the director, no, I'm joking. That's a complete joke. But um, no, but like, I'm actually kind of glad that those categories are not there, right? For like, for this exact reason. Um, But there are also, I think questions to be asked about being media and like you know you can understand this you have a youtube channel you know there are people who send us review copies and people who don't there are publishers that we have relationships with and publishers that we don't everybody's in everybody's pocket in in board game world and so you know um especially when there are a lot of content people like on a on a nominating committee like this um you know, what kinds of safeguards are in place to make sure that the process is fair, uh, to, you know, make sure that, you know, we're all disclosing the connections that we do have and the biases that we might have so that, you know, we get in a world where everybody knows each other and where a lot of people are friends, the fairest outcome possible for a ballot. So in terms of conflict of conflicts of interest, I mean, this is it's sort of bigger than the conflicts of interest policy as such is the idea that that we really want uh, mechanisms in place by which one person does not have to just run everything on their own, because that is not viable, it is not sustainable, and we are going to go down in flames if we are going to stick one person with it year after year after year. So, so just spreading the the authority and and governance over multiple persons and and some committees uh, will help with that, right? Because uh, you know, one of the things I've been pretty open, I think, about who I voted for, and some of them won and some of them didn't, um, is I don't want it to be the Gary Awards, right? It's the Charles S. Roberts Awards. And one of the things that Charles S. Roberts said in his letter to Roger McGowan, giving him permission to use his name on these awards, is that they be conducted, I'm going to quote exactly here, 
accomplished in a manner and in a context that is independent of any commercial connection and free from any conflict of interest. Despite this, there was no conflict of interest policy previously. Right. And I'm not sure. I think that was just an oversight, frankly. I think they just like, oh, we'll just keep this in mind. And that's great. But now we have an actual conflicts of interest policy, uh, and which, you know, a bunch of the changes that we are implementing with awards year 2022 will end up not working as intended. And we'll have to we'll have to make adjustments uh, for in subsequent years. I perfection is a road, not a destination. I expect to do this. I said this when we made these changes in the first place and everyone, you know, responsible for voting on them agreed that, you know, yeah, we're going to have, we're going to do the 2022 awards. These are going to be the rules for 2022. We'll have to figure it out if something completely tanks. Um, But I think it'll be, you know, fine to that extent. And then whatever actually just doesn't work or doesn't work like we wanted it to, we'll make changes for 2023 and keep moving the awards forward in this context. And this applies to everything, including the the categories and the rules changes. There's tons of history about the Charles S. Roberts Awards changing categories from year to year. That has happened the last three years, but it even happened between 1974 and 1989. So, so we're all okay with these changes. Um, but now we also have a conflicts of interest policy, which essentially governs is like, hey, if you're on the nominate, and this is basically the rule, if you're on the nominating committee and you have a game that could be nominated, you can't put that nomination forward yourself and you can't vote for it to, to put it on the nominating ballot. But when the nominating ballot comes around, vote your conscience. Everybody else is going to vote their conscience too. And, and right. it was seen very readily as unrealistic to say well we just can't include anybody who might get nominated on the nominating committee that's that would be dumb um the the the, those folks are the folks who are engaged in the hobby and with what's going on and with the design space and all this and to be honest about it it adds a bunch of authority to have big shot designer on on the nominating committee right so so we're and and we're you know we're we're cognizant of of who we invited and, 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 you know, stature was a factor too, but, but all these other things were also factors, right? It couldn't just be, you know, we could invite Jim Dunnigan, but first of all, he wouldn't answer my email and, and, you know, he's been out, out, out of the loop for decades here. I mean, he wouldn't have anything meaningful to contribute to the process. So uh, there was, you know, so, so these were all considerations, but, Considering the centrality of the, you know, we uh, want to avoid conflicts of interest clause and Charles S. Roberts giving us permission to do this in this first place, uh, I'm, I'm, it's a little weird that there's no, you know, was like no policy to that effect, other than, well, Charlie said this. Um, and you were not the only person that asked that question, by the way. So, because uh, <laughs> we, you know, we asked a number of designers who will probably have stuff on ballots in 2022. For, or just, I should say in 2023 for 2022. Um, so we were able to provide them, here is our conflicts of interest policy. We think you're going to be fine, but you know, here, here you go, read this. If you're comfortable, we're good to go. Nice. Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't know, as somebody who has a channel, right? All you can do is be really transparent. Like if I have a particularly tight relationship with a publisher, I disclose it. If somebody's a personal friend, I'm reviewing their game, I disclose it. And I feel like that's, you know, it's that and not voting for yourself when there's a, you know, when you should be recusing yourself instead. I mean, it's really all you can do. But I am happy to see that there is now a conflicts of interest policy, like actually on the Charlie's site, 
by the way, if y'all want to see all the rules, I'll link them in the show notes if you're if you're into that sort of thing. <laughs> but um, so I guess in your role as director, it's like it seems to me that you're here at a time of change and of a major overhaul. And so how do you envision your role with the Charlies? Is this a temporary thing where you stay and kind of leave a mark and move on? Do you see this as a long-term commitment for you? Um, you know, this is a, 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 any award is a large responsibility and something with a long history, like the Charlies, um, maybe especially so, and especially because it's been a rough while and there've been gaps of seven to eight years, you know, what do you, what mark are you hoping to leave on this institution? So the goal here is I, I, of the options you've presented all of the above, right? Um, it's going to take a couple of years to get things straightened out, to put things on a path that is sustainable and and doesn't have a single point of failure. And in 2022, the single point of failure failed, right? Um, and when that happens, you are ble- left, you know, in the best case situation, left madly scrambling, trying to figure out what, what went wrong and, and how to fix it. Um, and so the long-term goal is to insulate the Charles S. Roberts Awards from that. Um, so that, and, and that's going to take a few years, so that I can hand this responsibility off at the earliest possible opportunity. Um, but I mean, that's the idea, right? Is, is to be able to pass it on. Cause I'm, I can't, I literally physically cannot do this forever. I will at some point drop dead. So somebody's got to take over when that happens. And I would sure like the Charles S. Roberts awards to continue. So, so we want to, we want to, and have started, but only started to build the mechanisms by which that can be done. There's a lot ahead of us on that. Not only in terms of the mechanics of how the awards are run, but in terms of how the organization is structured and things like that. There's a there's a lot of things that we're going to have to have to think about. Unfortunately, we have good, some good resources for all of these things. Uh, some you know actual human resources. We don't we don't actually have a human resources department though. That would be premature. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> yeah, we've absolutely. got some we've got some good people on the board um, who can who can help us with this moving forward. So. Um, so I'd like to step aside, uh, but I'm also under no illusions about whether this was a one-year commitment or not, right? I mean, it, clearly it, it, there's some some guidance was needed and and some, I hate to, I hate to ascribe the word vision to myself because I see myself as like the least visionary and imaginative person as possible. But what I can do is say, I, I follow these other awards every year, like the Oscars, not so much anymore, but the Oscars and the Hugos and the Nebulas and the Charles S. Roberts Awards. And so I have some idea of how one might structure an award. And now we even have a bunch of different awards in the mini, in the wargaming space. I was going to say miniatures because the folks over at Little Wars um, have been doing a really good job with their Caesar Awards for the last couple of years. And, and that serves largely the miniature space so it's not directly relevant to us, but it's been very interesting to see how they run that, right? Right. Um, a lot of these are much larger than we're going to get, right? So we, we're not going to, like the Oscars, right? The, the movie studios um, submit the nominees um, and then somebody puts that together and determines who the, not, the final nominees are going to be. Uh, but the the studio it's the studio that does that. I I don't think the wargaming space is is there, right? I think if we wrote every single publisher, a we couldn't leave any out because of conflicts. We we don't want to favor some publishers over others, so we have to make sure we're capturing every single publisher globally. And frankly, 
several publishers, including some of the larger ones located here in the United States, would simply not reply to me. So, you know, we're not going to get that kind of participation at that level in our space. So that right there is, you know, a mechanism that we won't be able to borrow from from a different awards. But but we can see um, we can see how other awards are doing it and learn from that. Right. And borrow meaning steal what we can from them. Um, So. But we did need kind of somebody with a clear idea of what was what the current situation was with the awards what the awards landscape in wargaming looks like um and uh an idea of how we can make that picture better um in the context of the charles roberts awards but better charles roberts awards means better awards landscape for wargaming in general and frankly more awards so i was delighted when the historical board game awards people said Hey, we're going to do new awards. I was delighted to hear Harold Buchanan and his SD Hiscon team say, "We're hey, we're doing the Summit Award thing." That's yeah. all great. Those are going to end up being uh, awards viewed through different lenses for each award, right? So that the historical board game awards are going to award different games than the Charles S. Roberts Awards. That's fine, and that's great. And I think both of us are actually on the historical board game awards committee too, right? Yeah, okay. Right, I'm so not, not, no, not, I'm not, the, I'm not on the. So I'm involved with three awards right now, not oh, okay. with the historical one, but I okay. am involved with SD Hiscon and the Summit Award. I'm involved with Zenobia, which is kicking up for mm-hmm. another another run, and mm-hmm. then I also agreed to do the Charlies. So yeah, I mean, I'm playing roles on three very different crews, and they're all awards sort of i mean zenobia is a process too right Mm -hmm. but um you know i actually thought about that as well before joining the nominating committee so we we asked you to participate for you yeah for because we want you um that you are also giving the zenobia awards a hand is is great um but um that was not really a factor in our consideration, right? Uh, so, you know, the Charles S. Roberts Awards is going to have a nominating committee that consists of A, B, C, and Liz. And the Zenobia Awards decision-making yes. process is going to be run by X, Y, Z, and Liz. Um, and the output of those two different algorithms are going to look different. I will be very surprised to the point of will be willing, willing to bet money on it that in no scenario will... Uh, a single game or single designer win all of these awards. I think that's super duper, no. super unlikely. Um, and, you know, so, uh, but that's okay, right? I yeah. mean, movies can afford to float multiple awards, of which there's a dozen, right? Um, science fiction and fantasy books can, uh, writing can can afford three three or four major awards. Uh, it's really two major ones and a bunch of minor ones, but still, right? We, we can have multiple awards. That's fine. Uh, I am not only comfortable with that. I think that's great uh, because it means that even though there's a, there's a, not inconsiderable amount of prestige associated with the Charles S. Roberts Awards because Charles S. Roberts. Um, but it also means that the CSR Awards do not necessarily have to carry the weight of awards for the entire hobby for every game, and we have to try and capture absolutely everything. Um, this is also why I was pretty comfortable with removing some of the media-oriented categories because let somebody else do those awards really yeah uh if, if the charles s roberts awards are going to be about the games let's make it about the games um and let's get that right at least before we start talking about other stuff but i would love it 
if somebody would do like a hex encounter or you know tabletop board war games media awards for best youtube channel and best peer review and best podcast and all that stuff somebody get on that i'm talking to you <laughs> brant get on that you've been talking about that for years make it happen <laughs> absolutely and so you know your own involvement with the charlies um you know i know you from our wolf slayer i know you mm -hmm. as a as a fellow youtube person and so how do you think that your involvement with this award is going to impact your media life, if at all? It already has. Um, so I was reliably doing five, four or five videos a week prior to October. And I had fabulous, grandiose plans about Napoleonic November, where I was going to have a Napoleonic playthrough series that played throughout the month. And I was going to do uh, reviews and unboxings and, and commentary about Napoleonic topics and historical background and blah, 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 blah. All that went in the toilet. Um, so now I do two live streams and I reliably get an unboxing video out a week. And I am lucky if uh, I get um, another video out a week. So it, it I, I I can't say that it has not affected uh, YouTube channel output. It absolutely has. Um, in addition, you know, it's just just and that's just because of the time constraints. Right. Um, yeah. So on the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly hard to find. Right. I got a uh, what I could probably call one of the most successful live streams in the wargaming space. Don't ask me how that has occurred, but it has. So, you know, I get tuned in on people tune in on Monday nights and I almost never have less than 130 people watching, which is don't, I, I am not sure what their motivations are. Right. <laughs> um, so, but thank you each and every one of them, but uh, you know, people like to hear me talk and I like to talk uh, at least about games. So the, you know, it has been uh, pretty disruptive to my life as a YouTuber, right? To, to be yeah. honest about it. And where it has been less disruptive has been for the live streams, which require in general less preparation and, and you know, lead up work than, than I say any kind of structured video, even an unboxing does necessarily. I will spend more time filming and editing an unboxing video than I will do in preparation for Monday night's live stream. And I generally do some preparation for that live stream. If I have an actual topic that we're going to talk about and I, I have been lately. So. Makes sense. So kind of into the softy questions now that I've bugged you about this award. Uh, so what are you playing for fun right now? It sounds like you're busy, but is it happening? I am managing to get uh, one actual play. Well, really two. Um, one actual play thing. And uh, right now we are still, this is a face-to-face -face game. Now uh, we have three players for Last Blitzkrieg. This is BCS from the gamers and series designer, Dean Essig. We are also preparing for the upcoming Winterfest convention in Sandusky, Ohio, where we will be playing uh, Decision Games Vakdam Rhine. So we are also, uh, we have a we have two separate practice games of that one of which is online on Vassal and one of which is face-to-face -face, um, here in the Northern Ohio area. And I'm reliably making the Vassal game once a week and less reliably making the physical game once a week because Saturday is the day when I actually can like do stuff like go to the grocery store and clean the garage and build shelves in the game room, which will not be completed this weekend. So, so yeah, I'm actually, you know, am I playing as much as I want to play? No, but I, you know, that's been the case for years anyway. 
So, but, but that number is not zero and that's the important thing. Indeed. Indeed. And if people want to find you online, where can you be found? I can be found at Ardwolf Slayer. If you search for Ardwolf, A-R-D-W-U-L-F, you will find me on everywhere on the internet under that name. Uh, primarily under YouTube, though. If you the, There's the new YouTube handles, so I am at Ardwolf Slayer um, on YouTube. So uh, if you search for um, if you search for Ardwolf Slayer, you, I, I am the person who will come up, fear not. Fantastic. And I'll, of course, make sure there are links in the show notes so you can find Gary online. Um, if you are watching this podcast or listening to it, hopefully, you know, I can be found anywhere as Beyond Solitaire. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for giving your time. This is very appreciated. I'm really excited for the future of uh, the Charlies. Me too. I, I hope to be able to hand off the, this responsibility as swiftly as possible. But, it, it you know, it's going to take a couple of years, unfortunately. And I look forward to working with you and the other members of the nominating committee to make the 2022 nominations as good as we can make them that i can promise all right so everybody out there thank you so much for watching please like subscribe comment ask questions and most of all happy gaming